Welcome back to The Bookstop. I'm so excited to talk about today's episode. Fair warning moving forward, this podcast does contain spoilers as we go over major events within the novels. Before we get into it, don't forget to follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Instagram at The Bookstop Podcast. Well, welcome to the first episode of The Bookstop. I'm so excited. And today we have a very special guest and this is <laughs> this is Kim, my good friend, and today she has brought us to talk about the fifth season. Um so Kim, why don't you go ahead and tell us why you brought this book for us to talk about? Ooh. Um <laughs> So I didn't hear about this book from anybody. I have an Audible account that I I sometimes use and I sometimes don't. And long story short, I just got like a credit on my Audible account. And I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to spend this on? And so I looked through, I was really feeling like some kind of fantasy, science fiction type thing, but not one of the ones that, you know, like not one of the popular ones, because I've read those, we've seen those, etc. Yeah, and long story short, I just like came across this book called The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. And it had like rave reviews. It was a trilogy. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, a lot of material to read, but not like Game of Thrones level. And it sounded really interesting. And yeah, so I picked it up. And oh, my God, dude. So glad I did. Yes. So glad. I'm very glad you brought it. It's a very interesting book. It's not exactly like something that I usually read. So it was very cool to start uh, trying something new. So the author... N.K. Jamison. So she wrote this book in 2015, and it's a first of a trilogy. She's an African-American woman that uh, has some background in, like, psychology, and she is very active online. I don't know if you looked into anything about her, but she's, like, she's on a lot of, like, YouTube videos and where she talks about the progress of uh, writing this book, which I think is very awesome because you don't see a lot of, like, authors having a huge like background on like youtube and stuff so i thought that was kind of cool so to start us out right out the gate we're gonna play a little game oh Um, gosh (laughs) i hope you're prepared uh so i'm gonna time you on this one too so you are going to describe the plot of this book in 30 seconds oh no okay (laughs) And we're going to begin. I'm going to give you a couple seconds, and you're going to begin now. (laughs) Wait, how many seconds do I have? Um, God, okay. Uh, It's so much. Basically, it's like about... The the closest thing to call them is like earthbenders. It's basically about like earthbenders who are so much powerful than they know and they are told. And throughout the story... um, I won't even get to the spoiler part yet, but it's about several characters and it follows a very important set of characters um, on the journey to discovering like what they can and can't do. And also, I mean, it's so much more than that, but it's also just like, oh God, this is, this is so much pressure. Um, What else do I say? It's, it's a very large metaphor for racism and classism talking the story of magical <laughs> earthbenders okay i know it is a lot of stress um but i think you did a great job so okay okay i'm gonna quickly summarize it for everybody that's listening basically about a woman who has to find her kidnapped daughter and she has a secret power that is uh comes from the earth and she has to 
um, kind of follow this journey to find her and her husband. So what's your favorite line from the book or quote or moment or scene, anything like that? Okay, so this was hard because the book is very rich with excellent character descriptions, imagery and stuff. And I really wanted to like, yeah, part of me really wanted to pick one of those moments. And so originally for this, I was going to say um, early on in the book, the way that the narrator describes the birth of a of a stone eater was so, so cool to me. I don't have that line, though, because instead I wanted it to be I'm just I'm going to read this off. So there's a moment where the story goes, he rolls onto his back, looking up at the sky, and she thinks that it's the end of the conversation until he says, I think you hate me because I'm someone you can hate. I'm here, I'm handy. But what you really hate is the world. And that hit me because, obviously, it's, like, very true in a lot of ways. Like, especially in this day and age and the, you know, political polarization that we have Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that it's so easy for anybody to just say i hate this person i hate them blah 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 but the reality is that we hate the racism classism sexism homophobia we hate these things that exist in our society we don't necessarily hate the person because the person is unfortunately a product of those things in our society so i thought anyways i thought that was a really great quote but the whole book is so gloriously written i think that was when i started this book that was the first thing that i was like oh shit this is good and i'm gonna definitely read this whole series because again it's just so beautifully written and like the way even just the way that she tells the story like so many novels are very basically first person or very basically third person or whatever but this author in this series her style of writing is like it, it's partially like you are following the character, but it's partially like you are the character. And then there are these like several moments throughout the book where it's like an interlude. And the author will kind of like address us and be like, look, hello, how's it going? Like this just happened. But also keep this in mind as we move forward in the story. And it all just works so well to create the world. Yeah, I agree. We'll, we'll talk about a lot of the stuff that you brought up, but I'm just going to throw in my quote really quick, yeah. and then we'll get to talking on some talking points. So um, so my favorite quote on page 281, okay. and it's, Cyanite was like, we aren't human, and Alabaster is like, yes, we are. We're not human. It's just a lie they tell themselves so they don't have to feel bad about how they treat us, Ooh. which is, they can see through, like, the BS that all they've been told their whole life that, you know, that they are bad people and that they're too powerful for their own good. But it's really they say that because they're scared of them mm-hmm. and and they use this as a kind of like a shield to hide behind to make for how they treat them. So, oh, yeah, even in and the quote, too, I love how that um, is just a very clear indicator of like, look, we are not different from them. They've just said like they've just given words to make it feel like you're different. That is one of the big roots of just discrimination is like giving people this different word to like very in language, just like discriminate. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So I know you have other stuff, yeah. but and we'll talk yeah. about this more, but I also want to mention on the topic of like of words and the power of language in this world and discrimination and all. How do you feel about they have in this book what I like to call the R word? Because it's basically the N-word for this fantasy world. And I don't... I was going into this podcast and I was like, do I want to say the word? 
Like, I know, it's, I know the word is not the same as the N-word. The word is R-O-G-G-A. Which shows the impact of that word in that story. Like, yeah. that you can't even say it. A fictional word, you can't even say it in real life. So Because it, it, it carries a very, in the story, it carries that very similar weight of being like, this is a very, like, horrible term for somebody. So I don't, I, yeah. you know, even in like the real world of life, even though that's a fictional term, I don't want to say it because it feels wrong. We can call it the R word okay. in this podcast. Okay, cool. So this is the first book where I read um, a character in second point of view. So yeah. the U term. Mm-hmm. So um, the first character is, her name is uh, Insum, I believe. And oh, um, she, the... And so that's another thing okay i feel like you and i are going to be like on different pages about this because they're very unique names like when i was reading them i'm like am i reading this right so i i read that name as essen like essen but i, I looked know. it up and and the google translate kept saying Esum, so i'm Esum? just gonna go with that okay cool Esum. her point of view um is through the term of you you know i say at the beginning this podcast does contain spoilers so just a heads up when did you when did you kind of get that moment where you're like, okay, so these are actually all the same person? Oh my um, through Cyanide. Because when I read it, so I I've read a lot of books. You know, I got into The Witcher the last year, and I kind of already saw this coming. Like I figured they all kind of had the same timeline, or I'm um, sorry, they all had a connection. Obviously, usually when you have point of views, you do. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was all in the same timeline because. Or, like, the same person. Because nothing kind of overlapped. There was nothing that was, like, signaling that there was going to be a big overlap. So, I was like, okay, then these must... Like, the person must be the connection. So, I kind of figured it out a little earlier. But when she, like... I'm changing my name to Cyanite. I was like, oh, thank you for confirming. It felt so good when she... When she said that and it confirmed my predictions. Damn. Okay. You did way better than I did. Because I remember when I was reading this, I had, like... A small suspicion fairly clear that the timeline was disjointed but at the same time i was i was not expecting it when demaya says hey i want to be called cyanite or cyanite it kind of blew my mind and i think that was great because like i was not expecting that to be the thing that it was the same character i was expecting like oh maybe that's like her daughter someone related to her or someone she like meets up with later or something like that but when I found out they were the same character, I was like, oh, shit. And then I also, that's when I had the suspicion where you get the later plot twist of, oh, she's also um, Essen. I kind of, you know, when we find out that Demaya is Sienite, I was like, okay, then Sienite must also be Essen. Yeah. Because that only makes sense. But I still, even when that was revealed later on, I was still like a little bit blown away. I was like, oh, this is so cool now. It's all the same person and all of these experiences. Like it's so much more of a rich character that way. Yeah, I thought, so my connection, I thought it was going to be when Shefra, oh, I didn't look up his name, Hoya, uh, the little boy that's with Inso. Oh, uh, Hoa? Hoya? Yeah, Hoa. Um, I thought that was going to be the connection. But I like that it was all the main characters that were all connected together. I just had like this vibe that those like, those two were going to be connected like Hoya was like his younger version of Shefra yeah so it's not so <laughs> but I, I really do like yeah. that um let's see. also I know when you told me for this podcast you were like I'm gonna ask you a few things up front like favorite line favorite mm-hmm. character favorite relationship some of those things so I wrote 
for my favorite character, I was like, do I say that my favorite character is Essen and Sienite and Demaya? Or do we like wait? But so she's my favorite character. It's like, it's kind of a similar situation where, um, so with Harry Potter, like this is something you also asked me recently, like who's your favorite Harry Potter character? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it feels kind of lame to say that your favorite character is the main character. But I think that that is also strong point for an author and for a story that the favorite character can be the main character. So she's my favorite. I like Cyanite. I, I like her narrative because she's very sassy. Um, you know, she gets she gets her job done and then she just wants to go home. And another thing I like about her, which I think is kind of cool when you do a character like this where there's multiple different sections, is like in, as Cyanite, you see her like go her whole life and she has to fight against like pain and she has to fight against like her emotions and passions. And then you see um, in some who kind of almost embraces that and that pushes her forward. In the beginning of it, you see her husband kills their son and that's kind of her driving force to get her out of that town and get her to go on her adventure is because based on her emotions and she wants to go and find um, her daughter too. So even though they're the same person, they're kind of like branches of her life that are broken up so well. And I really like that, that they don't really yeah. flow together, but at the same time, you can see similarities and differences. I really like that too. You know, like even... I was kind of a different person five years ago and I was a different person 10 years ago. And I feel like we all are points in your life. You are somewhat of a different person because of things that happen. And I think that is a really brilliant way of showing it is like to have them be quote unquote separate characters until you reveal, oh, it's the same person. And also something I want to mention on that is it's kind of a brilliant way to do flashbacks. Yes. Like again, this author, so, so fucking impressive. Oh my god, I cannot wait until this becomes a more mainstream piece of fiction because she so deserves it. But yeah, it's just a really great way to like show flashbacks instead of being like, well, here we are in the narrative, but three years ago, this is what was happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that is so overdone, I guess. And this was a really cool way of having that. Exactly. Um, yeah, so we're going to move past the characters now and we're going to go... Or actually, before we do that, what was your favorite relationship? I forgot about that one. Mine, I, I that go you first. Okay. It was a bit tough because um, there was a lot of good ones, um, but I think my favorite was Cyanite um, and Baster. They're not really drawn together by like love per se. It's more like duty. Like you know, she has to reproduce a son because I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. So, in the story, they mm -hmm. are giving rings to kind of. To judge how strong they are and cyanite is has five rings and baster has 10 which is like the strongest of them all so they're trying to breed them together to get another 10 out of the two of them so i i like the she says all the time that she doesn't really like baster that he was always like a job and at the end when everything you know the final battle and she says this uh this line uh, alabaster reminds her of uh, her mentor, her lover, her friend. And I love that at the end, she kind of accepts, you know, this person is in my life. And even though the circumstances were great, we didn't meet the way we want to. We, she was happy that they did meet, that they were together. Okay. I was not that big of a fan, but I, I feel like towards the end, I kind of grew to understand. Yeah. It, it was more towards the end. Um, 
Yeah, because like when you're first introduced, even like the first couple of chapters that they're with each other and together, it's like not amazing. Like he's not a terrible person, but at the same time, he's not a great he's person. He's very cocky at the beginning. Like he yeah, knew very he cocky, had power. Very kind of like in some ways apathetic. Yeah. I would say. And I do want to say, okay, that their relationship kind of reminds me of like the Sansa Tyrion relationship. Did you watch Game yes. of Thrones? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. So Sansa and Tyrion, you know how like Sansa was supposed to marry Tyrion. So mm-hmm. they were kind of like together for a minute and she was like, I don't really like you. And he was like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> it was kind of like that to me where I was like, they're together and it's not like horrible and explosive, but it's also not great. And they kind of there's just like an underlying respect for each other's yeah. autonomy a little bit. But it's also because he's you know? gay. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I Which loved is, I that. Love. I loved when we had that moment when he was like with uh Enon and she was like, "Damn, he's hot." And he was like, "Damn, he's hot." <laughs> and I'm like, "Gay." Yeah. I love it was a very interesting like three-way parentship going on between them two, which I thought was interesting. Instead of like having a love triangle, it was a love triangle but it worked <laughs> uh i want to say so for my favorite relationship i picked essen and hoa yeah hoa like, my the, like the stone eater boy i don't know i kind of want to reread it again and like pay more attention to that Me because too. i feel like i was sort of drawn to other things there's this very interesting because like when she first meets him he's just like this boy who's just like i don't know not even doing anything he's just like a little boy and she's like that's a mysterious thing and they're like you know, she's being nice to him and whatever. And their relationship is not really mother and child, but it's nurturing is how I would put it. And also we find out later, Ho is like, I kind of like you in like a chill way. <laughs> in a chill way. Yeah, she said that he kind of reminded her of her son that she just lost, uh, except a little mm-hmm. bit older. But yeah, let's move on past the characters because uh, I definitely want to talk about yeah. the world. Uh, it's called The Stillness. And it's a a very (laughs) dynamic world. Um, So I wouldn't call them powers. I would call them more like an ability because they're not really magical. They're not spiritual. It's very like organic and you really have to like know how the world works. And I like that um, Jemson really puts a lot of definitions and stuff like that that really explain. She put just a lot of thought into it and it wasn't very much like, oh, I moved my hand and the wind blew or anything like that. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So I on that topic, I kind of wanted to mention too that like, I think this novel is technically classified as young adult fiction, but I personally wouldn't call it that wouldn't call it that yeah because like to me young adult fiction like hunger games is the the closest thing that i usually reach for with that like hunger games is very easy to read you go through it and yes there are new terminology but you can basically get it by context and it's very easy to read you don't really have to put in a lot of like mental work and then on like the flip side like a very very classically adult fiction would be like dune which is really fucking hard to read like you basically have to have a glossary next to you to flip back and forth to every paragraph and be like what is this how does this work who are these people but this novel is like kind of like you said like it's i don't know it's not difficult to read but you still have to like put some thought into it as you're going through it because of how like intricately developed it is so yeah i don't know yeah that's just what i want to say yeah i agree (laughs) i um i really like that I was rediscovering the earth again. I live on this earth and it's obviously the the same earth, 
but when I was reading it, I was, like, thinking of things I've, I've never even thought about. And I'm like, this is cool. It's, like, a lesson in a book, and I'm doing both. And, okay, so I know how, like, earlier when you asked me the question to, like, quickly summarize, I kind of just said Earthbender. Because I feel like, on one hand, when you're trying to describe this book to somebody who hasn't read it yet, that is, like, the easiest word to go for. Because you can be like, oh, Earthbender, and they'll kind of start to understand, like, oh, okay, has a ability to, related to the Earth. It's still so wildly different than that. Like every turn, every new thing that you discover about these people and their abilities is very, it is not restricted to like, I just stop earthquakes and that's it. Like it's so intricate and mysterious too. Like even by the end of the book, when you know so much, there's still a lot that leaves you wanting more. You want to understand like, oh, well, how can, how can they do this? Or how can they interact with that? Or like, what, how does this affect them kind of thing? Yeah. It's not just, like, earth and, like, dirt and rocks. It's also, like, coral and, and lava and, like, all this other little parts of the earth. And I like that, you know, she branches out and shows the different... Because if you're talking about, like, alabaster, he can do stuff without even being, like, near it. Like, he can move something that's hundreds of miles away and his power really shows that way. While another one, like, if they're not mastered and it can only lift a rock... I really like how the power scale works in it, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And two things on that. So with Alabaster specifically, and he has, like, all of these powers that CNI is like, where did you get that from? Like, what's up with that? And he's like, yeah, just, you know, we'll talk about it later. But there's one thing he does specifically. I think he does it, like, two or three times where he basically uses CNI's power, somehow is able to, like, harness her power and use it. And that is... First of all, that is one one of the things about Alabaster that I really, really hate, like really don't like, because I'm like, that is rude. <laughs> when they did the battle at the end, he did it, where he like pulled power to kind of stop those ships coming. Like you said, like it's a breach of personal... Yeah, like a breach of personhood. It's kind of, I don't know, I don't want to use this word, but it is in a sense forcibly like using her agency, mm -hmm. unfortunately. There is rape in this world. And they don't, there's no, like, they don't really go into detail. Thank God, which I'm so tired of people doing that and stuff. Oh, but what was I going to say about that? Yeah, so, like, kind of in the same storyline of Sienite and Alabaster, the, what are they called? The nodes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the nodes, like, that is one of the, like, scariest and more horrible parts about this world is those people. And unfortunately, that there are instances where they are raped a lot of bad stuff but yeah on a happier note let's move on <laughs> yeah let's let's talk about something happier oh also okay sorry i know we're kind of like still on this topic but i also want to mention on the subject of like their powers and how like intricate and yet still mysterious they are one of my favorite parts of this book is at the very end alabaster is talking to sienna and he mentions something about the moon he's like what do you know about the moon it's literally the very last line <laughs> yeah yeah he's like what do you know about the moon and that is so cool to me because throughout this book, NK, she peppers in these these moments about being like, hey, also just a reminder, these people can't really see the sky and they can't really see the stars because there's some stuff going on there, but I'm not going to talk about it yet. You'll have to see. You get those little like hints throughout the book about like, ooh, there's something going on in the sky. And when you get to the end of the book and he's like, what do you know about the moon? My first thought, I was like, oh shit, you know what we're going to find out later? I have a feeling that we're going to find out in the next book or two, Orogenes have abilities related to the moon and the sun and the stars. And so that would totally make sense because it would be a reason why 
like the guardians and whoever would want to blacken out the sky, cut them off from that power and that knowledge kind of thing. So that'll be cool to see. I'm excited. As of this moment, we haven't read the second or the third book, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. on the list and we might come back and do another episode of them. So we have a little trivia if you want to play a little trivia game. I'm not ready. (laughs) So for anybody that needs to know, Kim also has a podcast. Um, It's called Flip the Script. It is on Spotify, Apple, Google, literally anything you type it in, you can probably find it. I've done a few episodes on her podcast and she always gives the trivia questions and I never get it right. So it's so nice to be on this end (laughs) with the answer in front of me. (laughs) Basically, let me give a little background. So the fifth season, what that is, is... It's a time period within the story that there's a big, like, environmental craziness going on. So during this one, how many seasons have occurred before this storyline? What? That's your trivia question? How many seasons have occurred before this storyline? Yeah. Do you mean, like, Demaya, Cyanite, or Essen? Or, like, the whole the thing? The whole thing. How many seasons were before this season? Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to feel so stupid. I know the book is called The Fifth Season. I have multiple choice. I really want to say. If that will be easier. Oh, go for it. Okay. okay. Uh, A, <laughs> four seasons. B, eight seasons. C, ten seasons. Or D, twelve seasons. Oh, God. See, this is so hard because I'm so tempted to say that it should be A because this is the fifth season. Mm-hmm. But I know... That you're trying to trick me. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what was C again? So we got A, 4, B, 8, C, 10, D, 12. I'm going to go with B. B, 8? Yeah. Is that your final choice? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> the answer is D, 12. Before the start oh. of the story, there were 12 seasons, and some of them last decades. So I would, you know, it'd be really cool, like a prequel would to go back to one of those seasons and kind of do one mm-hmm. again, like one of the ones that were a little bit longer. If they could, you know, if she could form a, a story out of that, that would be really cool to see. Like the first season would be the best one. Like that would be so Ooh, cool. Yeah. Bring some more history into the story because I know there's a lot of people that really like this world and I would love to to see more of it. Yeah, this is definitely a story that is... And I mean, again, we haven't read the next two books, but it feels like this is a very complete story that still, like you said, has potential for like prequels and sequels and stuff because the world is so rich and fleshed out. Kind of like like the closest equivalent I could think is like Middle Earth. Like the, the world of Middle Earth is so full and fleshed out that, you know, even though we have Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, which those are full stories in and of themselves, we can still visit other things going on in that world Mm -hmm. like you've have you played uh middle earth shadow of war Uh, i have not but i have i've seen videos and stuff of it right okay so there's there's two video games at least that are based in the world of middle earth and i i've played the first one and i'm playing shadow of war right now which is the second one and i don't want to get too much into this because i know it's off topic but it is a good example of like a world that is so rich that you can go back and forth between it like there's so much more room for material but yeah, I don't know. So that's that's my thing. Yeah. So, cool. oh, a game for this would be so cool. 
if they decide to do a game. I would love a movie too. So I have a couple more talking points, but before I get into them, is there any kind of like missed opportunities do you think in this story? Like something that the author could have done differently? Anything like that? Like Mm -hmm. me personally, I think if they would have revealed the narration of being like them all being the same person, if they would have moved it a little bit farther back or even into the second book, we could have had more background information. I don't know, see more stuff in in her past that could have uh, helped out farther in the future. But then again, I haven't read the second one, so I don't know if maybe she did continue with the narrative right. with the three with the three ladies that are all the same person um, in the second one. But I think that would be cool. But then again, I feel like people would have figured it out quicker if she really wanted that like surprising right, yeah. like aha moment where they're like, oh, it's the same person. Yeah, I think it it does fit really well in the story. Like when they reveal it, I agree. It would be nice to be able to get more backstory, which we might get in the next one who knows i guess for me i think the only thing that i would be interested to see more of is some of the other places in the world like okay so specifically with like the islands for most of the book they kind of they put this idea in your head that like you know islands could not possibly exist on this world because they're so small and fragile like one thing would just wipe them out and so it's like pointless to even try to like exist on an island and then later on in the book we find out that's not true that's bullshit and (laughs) islands exist and they're actually amazing and so i don't know i guess that that is something i would like to see more of and i guess look forward to hopefully seeing more Mm -hmm. of is some of the other places in the world that exist yeah i agree that would be really cool to to kind of explore more places and even like things like because they keep saying like the arctic and the antarctic mostly stick to like tropical areas so Mm. i would like to see more like snow covered or icy areas if we're building more on the land. And you know what? Maybe even the moon. And maybe like, even the moon. <laughs> maybe another planet. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of choices here. Another thing I wanted to point out, I love that the cast is mostly people of color. Yeah. The majority of the cast is everybody's African American men and women, which is so cool. Yeah. Well, and especially because the book, I mean, I think anybody reading this, we all kind of figure out very early on that the book is in many ways a metaphor for racism and classism and sexism and other things but largely yeah largely is a metaphor for racism so i think that that is very perfect and apt and a long time coming yes like something that you find in a lot of like science fiction and fantasy is you will find that there is metaphors for racism sexism that kind of thing but they're still told primarily with white characters and white people Harry Potter is kind of an instance of this. And don't get me wrong. I love the story of Harry Potter. I think it's great. But in many ways, the story of Harry Potter is a metaphor for racism and discrimination. But it is told largely through white British people. So it's interesting. And again, it's still it's a very different story. I love Harry Potter. I'm not knocking Harry Potter. I'm just saying comparative benefit of this story is that it is very clearly a metaphor for racism and including like actual people who are not just white right um another thing in the story is that they talk a lot about like stone lore yeah um so it's kind of like their laws and i was watching an interview of nk and i think it's kind of cool because she was saying something literally chiseled in stone can still be changed and i was like okay i love that if something is you know written in stone people are like we have to do this. It's been that way for years. You can't change things that have worked for this long. But I don't know. I think you should. If it's not working, 
the way it should and it doesn't benefit everyone, you should definitely, you know, what, what are your thoughts oh, on it? Oh, I'm... <laughs> I mean, you can't see me because you're listening. Well, you can see me, but the listeners can't see me. I am nodding right along. Like, hell yeah, man. I think that's an that's an excellent point. And honestly, I didn't fully put that together until you kind of just talked about it now. But the way that it can apply to real life being like things that are written in stone can still be changed. Okay, when you think it, this is going to get kind of big and spacey for a second, but when you think about it, humanity is such a small, small portion of our world's history. And our world is such a small, small portion of the solar system. And, you know, like, so on and so forth. Like, goes on and go on. Yeah, exactly. Like, so many things are just like, nothingness in the grand scheme of things. Something written in stone or something that has been that way for centuries to hum humankind, like, it doesn't matter. We can wipe it away. Like, one one large enough solar flare and you know humanity is wiped out and right decades and decades and centuries and centuries of this and that are just gone kind of thing but yeah and again i know that's like kind of slightly off topic of what you said but also just in retrospect of being like things in society that have quote-unquote been this way for forever and like even things this might get kind of dicey but even things in like the constitution or like just because they were written and enforced for so long and just because they're historical in their value does not necessarily mean that they are right now yeah things change over time and even in her story you know things are constantly changing and people are getting stronger and ways of living are changing and I, I I'm really excited to read the next books to see like how much it's going to change and what and see how like she's going to really shape the future of her entire world so I'm I'm really excited I can't wait to start the next one and Same. it's gonna Dude, be good. I literally have my copy of the second one called the obelisk gate right in front of me right now you want to see yeah, and you can get it off of Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. We read the first one on Kindle, so you can get it literally anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't read it yet, we highly recommend it. So before we go, I want to us to rate the book. Ooh. So we're going to pick our own little rating system because we're not going to do no five stars out of five stars. We're going we're gonna to do something a little fun and different. What would you rate this story? Um, you could choose anything mm. that you think fits i can go first if you want i would rate this story as a weighted blanket that's what i would rate the story <laughs> i think that the fifth season by nk jemison is equivalent to a weighted blanket you know it i don't really know how i came up with that but it, it it's okay. very how many heavy. weighted blankets <laughs> how many weighted blankets um how many do you think i was i want to say three three out of three out of <laughs> this is so I love this, but this is so confusing. Um, <laughs> Maybe like three out of five weighted blankets. <laughs> if it's out of okay, if it's out of five, I would say a solid four point two weighted blankets. All right, I like that. <laughs> what about you? I like that very much. <laughs> oh gosh, um, let's see. I I think I would have to rate it. Seven rings <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> I would be a very strong, powerful uh, ability maker. <laughs> With your seven uh, rings. Orgies, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it's called. Um, I love that. If I had seven of them, I would be super strong. Oh, you are super strong. You would just be stronger. Um. 
I think, okay, so to like really quickly explain why I think it's four out of two weighted blankets, or I'm sorry, 4.2, <laughs> 4.2, why I think it's 4.2 weighted blankets instead of me just automatically giving it five, because I loved this story again and so much about it. Mm-hmm. The only reason I want to give it 4.2 is because I'm excited to see how the rest of the trilogy concludes, and I'm hoping that it only gets better from here. So I want to be like pleasantly yes. surprised. I'm worried because some trilogies aren't always better. Right. So, but I th- I think I have faith in this one. Mm-hmm. So, thank you again so much for coming on to the very first episode of the Book Stop. If there is anything else you want to say before we go, make sure you know everyone that's listening jump over to the flip the script. What I uh, listen to a couple of episodes, share them with your friends. <laughs> Hell yeah! Last thing, I guess the only thing that I want to say before I head out is. Uh, thank you for this. Like, this was really fun. I'm glad that we got to do this. I'm so excited for the rest of your podcast, like what you do, because it will also like force me to read more. And since we have so much time these days, I'm like, yeah. I would love to, you know, get back more into exactly. reading. Uh, you're going to be coming back. We have, what's the next one oh, we have? Yeah, um, it's coming in, I want to say March. I think so. Your episode's coming out. So Kim, we'll be back. Keep an eye on yes. that. So yeah, thank you again. Anytime. See you later. Thank you for turning the pages with us this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, show your support on social media. Don't forget to turn on your notifications to get a reminder of the next episode. Thanks again for listening to The Bookstop. Bye!